I'm Aaron Weintraub, and this is Inside Kurdistan. So this episode lands at a very convenient time because the topic of migrant workers in this region has come front and center once again because of the World Cup uh, and the history of countries like Qatar and Kuwait and the UAE and Saudi Arabia uh, using and abusing migrant workers from countries like India and Pakistan and Bangladesh, as well as countries in Southeast Asia, such as uh, Indonesia, Malaysia and the Philippines has been long documented. But the issue that a lot of these workers face that leads to uh, the abuse and exploitation comes through companies that they sign on to work with. Uh, and these are called manpower companies. And these and these companies and what some of them do to workers is what we're going to be primarily focused on today because the nature of international human trafficking uh, and labor abuse and, and the infringement of the most basic human rights uh, of these people hinges on how well regulated and monitored these manpower companies are in the countries where they exist. And the Kurdistan region of Iraq has quite a few of these companies. And there are a few not even that far from the office that I'm recording in now uh, that maintain absolutely atrocious practices, ranging from everything to taking away people's passports and cell phones uh, to locking in uh, workers at night, not allowing for days off, uh, to more direct uh, violent forms of abuse. So today, my guest, uh, Christine Chataluna, is one such individual who has worked with these manpower companies. And she came to the Kurdistan region from Dubai, uh, which is a whole story that she will be sharing part of at the beginning of this interview. Uh, and Christine now runs her own business in Erbil, and she is the president of the Filipino Overseas Community here. And she's become a community leader, uh, helping out with difficulties that migrant workers face, not just from the Filipino community in Erbil, but in general. And what we discuss later on is the unique situation that workers in Kurdistan face because, for example, for the Filipino community, which is the community that we're going to be focusing on in this particular episode, uh, there exists no official consulate in Erbil to help provide legal aid and protection for workers. And the closest place for getting that kind of help is in Baghdad, where the embassy is located. So negotiating a safe space uh, for migrant workers in Kurdistan requires three different parties. It requires uh, the Kurdistan regional government, the home country's government, which in this case is the Philippines, and then the federal Iraqi government, uh, which makes for a very difficult and complicated diplomatic arrangement that can and has left the door open for abuse to go unchecked here. So topics of abuse, uh, diplomacy, and human trafficking are all part of what I think is a very important discussion to be having right now. Uh, so with all of that said, here's my conversation with Christine. All right, three, two, one, and we're good to go. Christine, how are you today? I'm good. Thank you so much, Ira. Did you did you walk over here or or did you take a cab? Take a cab. Because it's raining? <laughs> it's raining. It's cold. <laughs> I know. I'm excited, though. We haven't had rain yet. The city needs a bath. Winter is coming. <laughs> I know. Well, kind of. I mean, we'll see. It, this, today's like the first day that actually felt like winter. <laughs> so um, I think the best thing to start with is actually... Uh, the story about how you came uh, to Erbil in the first place, uh, and because you came not from the Philippines, but from Dubai. Yes. Uh, so it was way back 2014. I was just processing at that time my employment visa in Dubai. But since my employer, which is my my best friend, 
he's in U.S. at that time processing his green card, so he couldn't uh, come back to Dubai to process my visa personally, so I, I had an exit. So first I check which country, because normally the Filipinos in Dubai, who has a tourist visa and not a working visa, they usually go to Kish Island or Oman or Bahrain. Mm -hmm. But then again, uh, I check in the internet and then I found this Kurdistan region of Iraq. So it was very like challenging and new for me. So I said I would go there. So I processed my um, visit visa through a manpower company. And then, yeah, February 13, I'm here in Iraq, in Kurdistan particularly. And since that time, I enjoy my life here. So you've been here for nine years, correct? Yes, yes. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about the situation that happened with your passport, leaving Dubai and coming to Kurdistan? Yes, because I process it through a manpower company. So it's supposed to be a 30 days visa, which is the, the normal yeah. But then again, they check my background that I have a manpower, uh, not manpower, but I have a experience in, uh, because that was supposed to be my job in Dubai. Mm -hmm. So documentation and processing of uh, uh, job orders. And so this manpower company became became interested in, in what I'm doing. So I said, so can you send people from Philippines to here? Because uh, they have... Uh, a lot of demand for domestic helpers, uh, Filipinos particularly. So I said, yeah, but no, I cannot. I cannot work for you mm -hmm. because, you know, I I have to go back to Dubai. But then again, at that time, because since they are my pas my sponsor, they kept my passport. Until until to the last uh, day, I said, no, I have to get my passport. I said, no, you have to stay here. You have to work, blah, blah, blah. And so, and then I said, I don't have a choice. Right. And keeping passports, holding on to migrant workers' passports, is a very common practice with these companies. Yes, because as as I uh, see in their operation that they are bringing, at that time, w w with me are the Nep Nep Nepals at that time, and I saw some Ghanas in the manpower company, mm -hmm. and they are uh, household workers. Yes, they are keeping the passports with them, the Why manpower. Can you explain to me briefly what a manpower company does uh, with migrant workers? What is the nature of that company? Actually, they are um, it's a business, you know. It's uh, they are bridging between the employers and the applicants. Most of them they are sourcing out their applicants outside from uh, from the country. Mm -hmm. So they are sourcing it from Nepal, from Philippines, and uh, from African countries also. Was there ever uh, a situation where you felt like you were in a difficult situation and you didn't feel like you had the legal ability to go get help? Yes. Actually, I, I experienced that during when I was in the manpower company. Right. Like They forced me to work for them uh, to recruit Filipinos from Philippines and bring it here. And they they asked me to be the agent, and I said no, I cannot because this is a violate this is a violation, and I mean the Philippine embassy will be will run after me, and I don't want to work with you. And then he he forced me, no, you have to work because it's, because we are your sponsor, like this and like that. We will offer you this job, we'll give you this money, we'll give you commission, and then I refuse, and then the and then he hit me. The owner of the manpower actually hit me twice, mm. and that's why I ran away, and 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 then. After one year, I face him, and then I, I took my passport and gave him the $2,500. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And that was the end of it. And that's it. And now, whenever we see each other in the Ikama office, and he's like, he's like, he's angry, like, where are you? Where are you working right now? I will deport you. He's always like threatening me, actually. Mm. So he said, okay, talk to my lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> like that. I think, uh, but there's still a lot of Filipinos experiencing this from their sponsors, especially from the Man Powers. Mm-hmm. So what will happen now? Some some man fo- pow- power companies they are they allowed the Filipino workers to to after their contract mm-hmm. to have their to be in their own way, okay. As long as like they will pay specific amount like this. After that, it's okay for them to be sponsored by other companies or other uh, individuals. But some of them they they don't want because they keep selling. You know they keep. Even if you finish the two years contract, they will still sell you to another employee employers. Actually, mm-hmm. can you walk me through? Let's talk a little bit more about manpower companies, and let's talk. Let's start with the ones in the Philippines, and then we'll go to the ones in KRI. Actually, the manpower in Philippines they are strictly um, monitored by the Philippine government. Mm-hmm. So whenever there's abuses, actually, even even uh, uh, for in their counterpart manpower company in, in 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 other countries they are they they will be closed actually totally mm-hmm. so or they will their license will be forfeited so but there are also like some issues like they are not uh declaring really the specific location like for example okay the those philip household uh, filipino workers here they were recruited in dubai Right. Manpower in Dubai. So, so they offer job. Okay, you will be in uh, Turkey. So, they will you will be in Turkey or Europe. But mm-hmm. they didn't know that they will be working here in in Iraq actually. And it's okay if they will be here in Kurdistan. But they will be also sent to Baghdad, mm-hmm. which is very difficult, you know. So and there are also like cases of Filipinas who were from Dubai to Baghdad and they were traveled they traveled from Baghdad through black car mm-hmm. because they escaped from Baghdad and they, they come here in Kurdistan region and also there are manpower companies they will bring from Kurdistan and they will bring it to Baghdad vice versa yeah without consent from the workers yes, or anything consent. like that and because they don't they don't know actually i mean the place mm-hmm. and they, they are not declaring where are we going like that? This is a new. This is a new place for us. The Kurdistan region is like uh, not popular in Philipp- in Philippines. Mm-hmm. The manpower. The manpower in here in Kurdistan region like, it's, they have this like bad reputation actually because mm-hmm. of the cases of the abuses of the household workers. Okay, but normally the. It's a business, and the intention is supposed to be they will they, they should comply legally. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, these manpower companies that they are recruiting domestic workers from other countries, they most of them like they finance everything. Okay, so if you are hiring uh, domestic uh, workers, uh, the domestic workers doesn't have to pay anything from the ticket. Everything it's free sponsored by the by the manpower company or by the employer but then again uh these manpower companies they didn't uh follow 
like supposed to be contractually they should like they should provide uh rest day every week and they should be the worker should be working like not be not working more than maybe 12 hours a day or but uh the salary also um and they are also keeping the passport of the of the the workers mm-hmm. what is the consequence of having your passport taken away from you just from your own perspective you've had your passport taken away from you so what does how does that take a toll on you not just sort of legally but also like emotionally and, and oh my yeah for two two and a half years i haven't had my passport with me i feel like at, it was during isis actually <laughs> you know mm-hmm. event and so like i i feel helpless actually that i don't know i don't know what what to do but then again i just thought that okay because our philippine embassy also are monitoring us at that time they said no if there's uh, like um like uh, need for you, for the for us to go to the border so they so there's a contingency plan also mm-hmm. set by the philippine government so with or without passport i think as long as you're a Filipino national, just go to that area, like in Turkey or in Iran side at that time, so it will be taken care of. Mm-hmm. But the feeling is like, like half, like you are like a stateless person at that time. I feel like that. Can we talk about some of specifically the other abuses that manpower companies uh, do to their workers? Actually, it's a case to case basis. Right. Uh, like there are good employers also because uh, i've uh, we have also like filipinos here who are happy with their employers actually mm-hmm. so and uh, but mostly like they are not uh providing a day off time to rest also and the salary also like they are withholding their salaries for um maybe a few months and then uh, they couldn't they couldn't have their phone cell phones and like they don't have enough rest, rest actually mm-hmm. like they've been working like almost like 24 hours a, a day well and we spoke before this interview about uh which is nearby here uh and i, I can sense the, the name when i edit this but you were telling me about workers uh being locked in there at night. Uh, so freedom of mobility for workers is also an issue. Actually, uh, yes, it's also based from my experience before when I was in manpower for 30 days, we mm. were locked in actually. So there's a CCTV cameras, we are provided with food there and then uh, they are, they, they are not, uh, we are not allowed to use cell phones because they are afraid that we will communicate and ask help from others also right. like that. And, now the the sad story is that they were being like uh, filed cases by their employer. Mm. They, you... they complained, so they complained to the Philippine embassy. I mean, no, they asked help from the Philippine embassy and from other Filipinos. But then again, that they wanted to like to go home. Mm-hmm. But then again, they, uh, they were being filed with a case like like stealing like that money. Uh huh. Yeah, you know. And they're not able to defend themselves yeah, yeah, without a lawyer, for yeah, example. Without a lawyer. Yeah. Well, and also they would need to get legal representation sometimes. Yes, it is. Yes. And those lawyers aren't, exp- are, you know, they're not cheap. No, they're not cheap. Actually. Yeah. So have you had any situations where you've heard of lawyers targeting migrant workers for representation, knowing that, you know, they can ask for large amounts of money? Actually, there are. And also, um, 
even we have experience in a uh, Filipino community, one of, uh, not one, of, but there was one lawyer, local lawyer, that he collected a huge amount of money and then he ran away with a, with a passport, the ikama of one Filipina worker. Mm-hmm. Even she posted it in the social media mm-hmm. because they couldn't locate the lawyer. And what happened? <laughs> so now she, she, she applied for a new passport and she uh, she brought the case to the the de- visa department the mm-hmm. bureau of immigration here under working visa under working time, yeah. visa okay yeah, working all right visa that when she renewed it because it's like like we are freelancers here mm-hmm. you know it's like actually the 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 legal procedure actually in deployment deploying um foreign workers in the philippines is uh we should we should be we should process our employment through a through an accredited manpower agency in the Philippines mm-hmm. with a counterpart also in the host country. Right. You know, to receive and to monitor, you know. And it should be on like any other, like in Dubai, you should only have um, one employer as your sponsor. And if it should be like under contract, two years per minimum, mm-hmm. they will... They will be. They will take responsible of the the, the two way tickets and the insurances and all these things, the benefits, according to the you know international labor law like that. And then, but but the procedure here is it's uh, different. Mm-hmm. So we didn't pass all these things. Even uh, there are many Filipinos who are from other countries that they like cross country. Like right. they 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 are not, came from Dubai, from Saudi Arabia, from Kuwait. Jordan, and they came here in Philippines. So, mm-hmm. so the lack of presence of the Filipino government in KRI. What does that mean for the workers here? We only have Philippine embassy in Baghdad, and we don't have a consulate here in Kurdistan region. Mm-hmm. So, with this, there is because there's still no bilateral agreement between both countries. But then again, the political setup because Kurdistan is not popular, is not uh, recognized as a country in Philippines mm-hmm. even then. So. It's impossible to have this kind of agreement unless the, the federal government of Iraq will have a uh, will have a deal with the Filipino Philippine government. So, but there are still Filipinos working here, of course. Yes, as cleaners, as, yes. as maintenance, and yes. things like that. Yes, uh, we have like most likely maybe two thousand, three thousand Filipino workers distributed from in 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 uh, even in Iraq. In Green Zone, in Basra, mm-hmm. here in Erbil, Soleimania, and Duhok. Uh, in fact, one of the examples is the Farouk Medical Hospital. We have like maybe 40, 50 Filipino nurses there. Mm-hmm. And also in uh, Royal Khan in Soleimania, mm-hmm. maybe 50 Filipino workers. Yes. And they're all technically working in their positions illegally. They, uh, I think they, their company applied directly to the Philippine government. Now they have, because first, uh, coming out from Philippines first is illegal. But once you will become a returning worker, mm-hmm. then you will be legal, okay. the procedure. So when coming back for the second time, we already have the, the process, the overseas Filipino workers uh, permit. Mm-hmm. So, But for the first time, it's not allowed. Okay. But as a returning worker yes we can we can obtain our permit for, so for listeners yes. i mean and for myself quite frankly that doesn't make any sense <laughs> because you, you have to break the law in order to come back e, actually yes sad okay. to say yes it is like that 
And because, you know, the Philippine government also, they, they could not control also, you know, the, the coming of uh, like Filipino workers in Erbil because there's a good working condition here. I mean, even uh, there's cases of like abuse, for, which is uh, in the household workers. But we, me personally, I've been here for like nine years and um, like my friends were having I mean, we are we are good here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the 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 abuse rate you've mentioned this before, actually, in our interview that the abuse rate here is is much smaller than yes. in other countries. Yes, yes. But the consequences of working here illegally and not having representation here leads to when there are abuses of of power, there is no protection for these workers. No. So what? needs to happen in order for that to 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 work because for example uh i'll speak from my own experience uh in jordan when i first started looking into this issue the filipino workers there have something called polo uh and and if you could explain what polo is and why doesn't it exist here yeah polo is the philippine overseas labor office actually Mm -hmm. so it's under the philippine overseas employment agency and now uh there's a newly created department uh Department of Migrant Workers. Mm-hmm. So, all concerns about overseas uh, Filipino workers under welfare and these things will be under the Department of Migrant Workers. So, right now, we don't have uh, the nearest polo office uh, is in Dubai and in uh, Jordan. Mm-hmm. There's also in Kuwait, yes. actually. Uh, but then again, uh, it's good news there because just recently that we 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 are informed by our Philippine embassy in Baghdad that there will be uh, high-ranking officials from the Philippines, particularly from the Department of Migrant Workers, who will visit us here on December twenty-first in Kurdistan region to assess the situation and to have um, like a communication or to check us here to meet us here actually in Kurdistan. So one of the uh, the things of needing to establish a, a polo or an office here for representation is protection. Yes. But we also need to address the issue with like visas because yes. for Filipinos who come here uh, or migrant workers who come here on a visa, it's usually not a work visa. It's usually a tourist visa, for example. Yes, tourist visa. So, Visit visa. Yes, exactly. So in terms of getting residency or as they call it here, a comma, what happens after that residency expires? Could you explain to me that? Um, I think the government, except as far as I, I know, you know, the only legal uh, procedure uh, to acquire working visa is through the minist- MNR. Mm-hmm. So uh, aside from that, all sectors, all the visas are like from visit visa to a working visa. Mm-hmm. So there is no direct issuance from them, I think, from the Kurdistan government about uh, about issuing a working visa. So normally here, we as uh, migrant workers, we are buying our, I mean, we are, yes, we are buying our own uh, visa here. Uh, and we are like paying uh, sponsors to, to, to sponsor us. And then um, because only few employers companies are like sponsoring their own uh, migrant workers mm-hmm. only few i think as far as i know mm-hmm. most of them even uh, because they have to they have to process and the, the the social security requires a lot of you know 
documentation from their side and there's no like strict regulation also that like like in Dubai that you can only work and your ikama should be sponsored by your by your own employer mm-hmm. employer yeah or company but here it doesn't work like that well, how does it why is that different here because like as what i have said i mean there's no regulation there is no i mean really uh law or regulation from the government about about these things it's uh, like a f- flexible <laughs> right so when that ikama runs out for example if you have a tourist visa you have it for 30 days yes you've been here for 9 years a lot of workers have been here for multiple years as well they're the goal for most workers here migrant workers here is to stay here for a long time certainly longer than 30 days yes uh yeah so after the thir- uh, the tourist visa then we apply for a one year residency permit mm-hmm. so most of the i mean most of the workers here they are sponsored by personal sponsor for, mm-hmm. for ikama so it's 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 written under at the back of the ikama sponsored by a specific individual here locals mm-hmm. or by a company mm-hmm. so for me because i have my own business you're going so i'm I, i'm under my company's uh, sponsorship so right. <laughs> but for others yeah sad to say like uh, there's a lot of migrant workers not only filipinos but other asian and african um, migrant workers um, they have expired ikamas because you know as after the pandemic and then you know difficult for them to to renew their ikama because they lost also their work and then again the penalty is very expensive the 20000 iqd per day penalty is is too much for them this this migrant workers the cleaners they are only like having 400 300 to 400 salary per month they are paying their own accommodation food mm-hmm. and so i mean they couldn't afford to renew like 2500 3000 um ikama so with the penalty if your sponsor is not willing to cover it essentially you're trapped in the country yes, you because you're not able to leave yes you cannot so is there any kind of debt forgiveness uh, program that's being proposed by the Filipino government or by the uh, Kurdistan regional government that you've heard of? Um, for the, I'm only speaking for the Filipino community because we have also some cases of this mm-hmm. expired and uh, yeah, overstaying uh, Filipino workers. Uh, under my administration as the president of the Filipino community here in Kurdistan region, it is one of my plan and after working on our database we will be that's also my priority also to to at least um ask a discount or like uh, an amnesty for us especially that uh, these filipinos are still willing to work or there are still companies willing to sponsor them but because of the huge amount of you know processing the the the, the ikama i mean they couldn't also afford to to finance it, the employers. So, and you know, the business situation here, you know, so after the pandemic, everything is just starting from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So because legal aid here can be difficult to access, uh, I was curious if we could take some time for you to point to any organizations uh, or individuals here that have been helpful that you might want to talk about. Uh, there is one NGO who mm-hmm. are helping the 
because this is like a human trafficking issue like this mm-hmm. this one so it's under the the seed foundation um they are helping us also mm-hmm. with a legal representation and also like providing safe shelter also for the for the for the deta- detainees mm-hmm. so and they are closely working with the philippine government also the iom also right are, yes are also helping us also um by the way i would like to inform that we have a philip uh, honorary consul mm-hmm. uh, he's a kurdish his name is uh, mr anwar fala so he is helping us also aside from the philippine embassy because you know our embassy is, is in baghdad so Mr. Falah is uh, here in Kurdistan region, so he is like our second father, actually. So we, whenever we have a problem, we are calling him for assistance. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, he help he help us a lot. So uh, I wanted to end this uh, by allowing you to provide me with any uh, information that you may want to share that we haven't covered because this is a very, uh, very dense topic and. Uh, Specifically, you talked to me before recording that you had some notes about the history of uh, the Filipino community with relation to migrant work. Uh, and so I'd just like to give you uh, the microphone now and allow you to say uh, whatever you think, that you think we should cover uh, before we close out. Okay. So why Filipinos uh, choose to work abroad instead of Philippines? There are many reasons. Okay. First is because... Um, because of uh, the working abroad offers a g- big opportunities for us uh, as a Filipina because of the high salary, income, and benefits and packages, and also we Filipinos also loves adventure and you know we we would would love to explore also other countries and I think our worldwide wherever I mean. It, even from the smallest islands <laughs> around the world, there are Filipino workers. We are scattered everywhere, and um, also economically, we are. It's a big. We are contributing actually to our government. Also, we are sending uh, money remittance. So, um, there are two point two million Filipino workers actually um, around the world. Around the world, yes, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it's not that we are we are poor countries but we are manpower and labor um market contributed so much to our economy and then even we are considered as the modern uh, heroes in 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 Philippines because we are sacrificing our, ourselves we are working abroad in whatever working condition we are okay because we Filipinos we are a uh, we're very uh, resilient people, you know. We endure, <laughs> and also um, w- there's a many opportunities for us. There are many countries, especially now, um, like here in 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 Iraq, Iraq and Kurdistan region, and other also European countries. Uh, we have a lot of our Philippine government uh, are uh, accepting many um, offers uh, to hiring of Filipino workers. And um, also, uh, we are we are people who loves to to work with other nationals. You know, we are very adaptable. Mm. And uh, also, it's uh, way back. 
mean, many decades. So there are many Filipinos who are already established in other countries, and so they are inviting again. And because of, like, especially in, like in America, so it's like green pasture. So there's a lot of job opportunities abroad. Mm-hmm. Although in Philippines now our economy is growing, and we are third in the world in the Southeast Asia. But then again, uh, the big difference of the salary actually, I mean, in, in motivates us to work abroad. Mm-hmm. But if there's a chance for us to work in Philippines, of we still would choose to work in Philippines, you know, not to be far from our families. Especially me, I'm 50 years old, and so now I'm working for my retirement. I said, it's enough. I've been working for 18 years abroad. So for me, I said... I, what I'm doing now is to prepare myself to go back to Philippines. Yeah. So I would encourage, you know, to all Filipinos, if you would want to work abroad, start in your early age, not <laughs> in your <laughs> in your middle middle age, because you know it's it's different also. And your son's in Australia, correct? Yes. So your plan is to go see him? Yes, hopefully, he will be starting his journey as an overseas Filipino worker again, <laughs> like I got his it. mom. Exactly. Well, it's it's multi-generational. That's a part of yeah, the culture. Yes, I think it's part of the culture also. Uh, since the the day I, I came here in Kurdistan region, I have seen a lot of changes, you know, the, all the infrastructure projects and and uh, developing Kurdistan. And I'm like any other countries, developing countries, everybody, I mean, every country faced the same situation, struggles, difficulties. Uh, not only for the migrant workers, but in general. But uh, I'm looking forward to be um, to have like um, more um, that the Ministry of Labor and Social Security should impose, uh, should follow really like rules and regulation, and according to the international labor law to protect. Also, there should be a strong. Um, rules and regulations about about uh, or laws about protection of migrant workers not only migrant workers but also both sides from the employer side and from the from for the for the workers because i'm also like now i'm also an employer okay now i can feel that i mean the in between as a worker and at the same an employer um Yes, because the mic because the workers they are part of the growing economy that they should also take consider and give importance also the welfare. Well, Christine, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much also. I'd like to thank Christine once again uh, for coming in to talk about her experience. Inside Kurdistan is brought to you by the Kurdistan Information Network. And you can check out our podcast on KurdistanIn.net. And be sure to subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to us at info at kurdistanin.net. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Aaron Weintraub, and this has been Inside Kurdistan. Inside Kurdistan.